The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Pastor Robert Morris had two arteries tear, causing massive internal bleeding and the loss of half his blood. The paramedics rushed him to the hospital when they couldn't find a pulse. When I was in the ambulance waiting for the helicopter, they really felt like that I was dying. I remember telling the surgeon later, I thought I was dying. He said, you were. You were dying. That's why he thought you were dying. And Debbie and I actually said our goodbyes. Next on Life Today. and Betty and I know why everybody's applauding. <laughs> and if you heard that uh, Robert and Debbie Morris are here, Robert Morris is pastor of Gateway Church in South Lake. It's really a church that I believe has become a source of inspiration and high impact, not only the people who attend, many are here tonight, but the over 30,000 that attend every week. But I believe it's become an inspiration to the church, the real church body of Christ in the whole world and all churches, and I'm grateful. So I want to ask all of you at home and those of you here, would you give another warm welcome to Robert and Debbie? They are with us and have been our favorite guests many times. Robert, here's a new book. Now, you've, you've become uh, quite well-known as a preacher and as a, an author, and beyond blessed, I'm excited to tell people that it's available. But we're going to be talking to you about the blessing you experienced to even be able to be sitting here. Because I was teaching a Monday night men's group basically here uh, with two other friends when suddenly our son comes in and says, Robert is in trouble. And we knew you'd had surgery. We knew you'd had a serious problem. But now all of a sudden it's like it came so seriously it was like it's a matter of life or death. And they asked us to pray and pray we did. And I felt, I felt in my heart that you were under attack. And I tried to stand against all the forces of death and destruction. And I mean, we really prayed and it was great zeal. And uh, I was able to see you in the hospital when we knew it was really touch and go. And you looked up at me, let me know something's going on here. And I knew what you meant by something going on. And you are a miracle. I want you to share, if you will, with our viewers and our guests here tonight, something about that journey, both Debbie, you and Robert. Well, thanks. Uh, I, uh, back in the spring uh, of 18, I had uh, hernia surgery, which went great, no problems. And about a week later, I started uh, feeling dizzy, lightheaded, and passed out. And I was asking Debbie to help me. And when I passed out, um, my eyes were open and I stopped breathing. Mm. And so she literally thought I'd died. And uh, I woke up to her, on, came back, the two, I guess I should say, to her on the phone with 911, and she was screaming at me, too, trying to talk to them and, and saying to me, Robert, 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 you know. And um, 
we thought at first it was complications from the hernia surgery. We found out later there were no complications, but I had two torn arteries in two different places in my body at the same time, and you only have just a few hours to live when that happens. Mm. I lost over 50% of my blood. The paramedics that came to our house, uh, one of them had been a helicopter paramedic for many years before uh, this, so he had extensive training. And he knew immediately. He literally said that when he pulled up to our house, he called and put a helicopter on standby. He just felt it was that serious, what was going on. And so they loaded me in the helicopter, and I mean, in the ambulance at first, and it, it was a little, it's a little humorous now to look back on. You kind of have to find humor in tough situations <laughs> like this. Um, but they were, first of all, they did a blood pressure, and my blood pressure was so low it wouldn't register. Mm. And so then there were two of them, one on each side, and they were feeling my neck, and they were saying, I, I can't feel a pulse. Can you feel a pulse? And one said, I can't feel a pulse. And I was thinking, I can hear you. you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure that I have a pulse because I, I can, you know, I can hear you, you know. Um, but um, what happened was these art arteries tore, no medical explanation. And I have some great doctors. One, yeah, one of my said, doctors. I remember him saying there was no surgical tube that got anywhere close to those. No, that were no, the hernia surgery got nowhere close to where these two tears were. No medical reason. They even consulted with other medical experts after all this. Everyone looked at my case and said, this is one of those cases that scientifically you cannot explain what happened. Mm -hmm. Just two, two torn arteries within a few hours of each other. By the time I landed at the hospital, I'd lost over half my blood. Um, if you, 40 to 45% of blood loss is imminent death without medical treatment. As soon as I landed, they put a port in my neck. Um, it was the only place they could get in. That juggler vein was big enough. It had four uh, IV places on it. They started giving me blood, six units of blood. A man my size has 12 units of blood. So they gave me six units of blood, four units of plasma, and two units of platelets almost wow. immediately just to keep my blood. My blood pressure, when they finally could get a reading, they had to insert a, uh, a machine into the artery itself to get my blood pressure, and uh, it was uh, 50 over 35. Um, and so they did a CAT scan and found a cantaloupe-sized hematoma dried blood inside me. So I was bleeding internally into my abdomen cavity. And so they knew I was bleeding. So they went in, found that artery that had torn, cauterized it, removed that hematoma and thought that was it. When I came out of surgery, my blood pressure was 65 over 40. And so that's, you were there, you were at the hospital when the helicopter landed that first day, yeah. along with my son and, and one of my friends, you know, right. and Debbie was driving in which that's, uh, in a minute, you can ask her about that because that was a, obviously a tough drive. We, When I was in the ambulance waiting for the helicopter, she, I asked her, they said, you, you might want to get in and talk to him. They really felt like that I was dying. I remember telling the surgeon later, I thought I was dying. He said, you were. You were dying. That's why he thought you were dying. And Debbie and I actually said our goodbyes. And um, I... Uh, I asked her to do a recording, and I did a recording to our children and grandchildren uh, saying goodbye. 
And um, um, our children have never seen that. They actually said, we don't want to see it. Um, so it was tough. It was a real tough time. And then before the, right before the helicopter landed, I asked her to get back in. And I said, we need to put this out on social media because I, I knew I was in a fight for my life. And we had hundreds of thousands of people, and that's not an exaggeration, praying all over the world, yes. countries all over the world, called prayer meetings for me. So after that first surgery, we thought, okay, he's out of the woods. But during that next day, my blood pressure still wouldn't come back up. And uh, so that's when they took me back in for a CAT scan, saw another cantaloupe-sized hematoma. Um, and so they knew I was bleeding from somewhere else. That's when they brought word to you here in the studio. Right. You know, it's life or death. Right. They went back in. They they just really cut me open this time. I, I don't have a bikini cut, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, they opened me back up big time. And I, I feel like I've had... Uh, two C-sections because <laughs> they opened me up and took a seven pound something out yeah. of me, you know, so uh, twice within 24 hours, found the other arterial bleed, cauterized it, kept looking to make sure there was nothing else. And then I started on the road to recovery. I was in ICU four days, the hospital eight days. Uh, but it, then in ICU, I got pneumonia. Um, so it was just a tough time. But my blood loss had gone back down to where I had about two thirds of my blood. I'd still, even after the blood transfusions, and they didn't want to give me more blood because they want your blood to rebuild itself. So as you know, I was out of the pulpit four months. It was about a two to three month time of just trying to get back to literally having any energy at all. And um, uh, so it was, a, it was a tough ordeal. I want to go back a little bit, Debbie, because, yes. I mean, you had a lot going on here. And on top of having to get the emergency out there, you, that's your sweetheart. That's yes. the love of your life. That's the father of your children your grand and the grandfather. Yes. What all was going on inside of you, if you could just express a little bit, because at that moment one time you had to basically, like he, like he said, tell you, say goodbye to one yeah. another. And then you have to drive all the way into town. I did. So that morning, it was such a sweet gift. I was He was sleeping late, and uh, you know there's a rule that you don't wake sleeping babies or sick husbands. So <laughs> I was letting him sleep, and uh, but so I had my phone, and I was just reading Bible on my phone, and I was reading about Lazarus, and I remember reading that Jesus loved Lazarus. And I thought in that moment, God, you love Robert. And uh, I kept reading, and it says he loved Mary and Martha. And it just stuck with me. God, you love me. And so I had that, just that sense that he was for us. He was with us. And no matter what, he loved us. And so that carried me. But then as the day progressed, I started wondering if he was trying to tell me something else about Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> like I was going to die. That yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed that, you know, I just felt just a sense of love. And I, it carried me, you know, like obviously I was scared to death when he passed out and I couldn't get him to respond to me. And uh, then when the paramedics come and tell me that there's no pulse or they can't read it and his blood pressure's too low to read, uh, I'm not a medical person, but I know that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I knew it was serious, but I, I just also knew that God loved us, and no matter what, even if he died, he loved Robert, 
and he loved me and he loved my kids and he was going to carry us through that. And um, so that, that carried me through that whole day, couple of days, uh, just that sense of knowing Mm -hmm. that no matter what we're loved and he's Mm going to, he's going to be with us. I knew when I talked to you that I heard a piece that amazed me. I told you tonight, even Robert, because it's the first time I've actually said this to you. So before we came out, I said that during the whole journey, even when I watched you go in that second time, you kind of looked up and acknowledged basically something's going on. There's a force trying to kill me. And we knew that. We understood that. But I never could make peace go away. But the amazing thing is when you really, it appeared you were dying. And then I think it'd be really important for our viewers to hear because, see, we did lose a child. And by the way, when you think you can't trust God's hand because you don't see his hand do what you want him to do, you can always trust his heart. That's right. And that's what Debbie just said. She was trusting God's heart, even if she thought she might have to say goodbye. So, Robert, when it looked like you were going and it became so obvious that the doctors were basically trying to prepare your wife and basically acknowledge you're likely leaving. And then you actually felt like that's probably what was happening. I think you tell our viewers what went on in your heart and mind. Yeah, well, I was in the helicopter, and I could just feel my body shutting down. And um, that's when I later had told the surgeon I thought I was dying, and he said, you were. You were dying. There's no doubt. And um, But in that helicopter, I had the thought, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. But it became an exciting thought to me. Not uh, a, uh, it wasn't fearful and it wasn't sad. That was the thing that was amazing to me. I started getting happy that I was going to heaven. And I did think about my family and, uh, you know, you, you want to see your grandkids grow up and you want to, you know, live to be old with your wife. And of course, some of younger people think, well, you have lived to be old with wife. <laughs> Older. Okay. So, um, but I, I was just, I got so excited. And when I thought about Debbie and the children and grandchildren, I remember thinking, God will take care of them. God will take care of them. I just had such peace, you know? Um, and then I, then I thought about my grandchildren and I had this thought, it's just going to be a little while and they'll be with me just a little while. And in the hospital, when I told my son that a few days later, he said, well, Dad, you know, Scripture says a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. But so did you think it was like a few years or a few months or a few weeks? I mean, what'd you, what, what time frame would you put? And I thought about it, and I thought, I couldn't put a time frame on it. And my son said, I think you experienced eternity. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because there's no time in eternity. There's only time on this earth. Wow. And so I just knew in a little while, my, even my grandchildren will have lived a full life and be here with me. It won't be very long at all. Uh, But then I had this thought. I thought, Lord, um, I'm ready to come. I'm excited. But I'd like to see my grandchildren grow up. And I don't think you're finished with me yet. And the Lord said two words to me. He said, I'm not. And I knew I'm not dying today. I'm not dying today because he's not finished with me. And I have to tell you, um, uh, for a while afterward, people would say, you know, it's glad, it's good to see you. And I'd say, well, it's good to be seen. <laughs> but I got to thinking about, 
I went through it a little bit afterwards that I wasn't really glad that I was still here. Wow. Because of what I experienced in that helicopter. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm ready for, to experience that again. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready to stay here, love Debbie, love my kids, <laughs> love family, love church, love ministry. But when it's time, what I experienced that helicopter, I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm ready to go to heaven. And that's what we, along with our Father in heaven, mm -hmm. want for everybody watching yeah, us on television, right. everybody here. He wants you to know a relationship with him that leads to the excitement of entering into the presence of God for eternity, entering into the house of the Lord. Jack Haver told, he watched our daughter Robin when she went into heaven. When I read Jack's story of the vision, and I, he said he looked in the distance and he saw crowds flowing, and I said, I guess it's the evangelist in me, but I want everybody to be going in those crowds. And Robert, I know that's what you and Debbie want. And I want to thank you for being an inspiration to lead people into the presence of God right here and for eternity. And I want to thank you that we walk together as brothers and we have been for more than 40 years and I count it a joy. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey. I want to thank you for the ministry of the Lord that flows through you and for Debbie. Would you join Betty and me in just saying thank you, Lord, and thank you, Robert and Betty, for sharing your journey. We, we are going to talk to Robert all week, not just about the blessed life, but beyond blessed. And this is, as he tells in the very beginning of the book, that the blessed life was birthed and born and shared for the first time right here in these studios. And really, Gateway was kind of born out of that because it's the first thing you began to download on the church. And boy, I'm telling you, you've moved so many people into understanding the blessed life, and we're going to really expound on it, but we're going to talk about beyond blessed. And one of the things that our viewers are going to get and the people here see, you, you let it be known that God gets excited, not because his kids get it about getting but they get it about giving yes. and the joy of giving and the great love. And I want to tell you something, Robert, that's revolutionary. I just got a stack of birthday cards because Betty <laughs> said, would y'all like to tell James happy 75th? Well, they did, boy, by the thousands. <laughs> and you know what they were saying over and over? Yes, they love us and they love helping you. They said, thank you for letting us help people. Thank you so much for letting us help people. Thank you for letting us give to help. Robert, Thank you for helping teach that. And I want to just show you this right now because this is a blessing, because this is what you want to see. When you watch us, you say, show us how we can bless somebody. Well, watch this. I want you to see a mother, and Betty understands, and I do, lost a child she never needed to lose, and we got the perfect miracle. And you know what? We can give that miracle today. Watch. Vanurande's family will never be the same. While all of her children constantly battle illness transmitted through their only water source, her youngest, a two-year-old, was simply too weak to fight any longer. Despite his tender age and tiny size, the void he leaves behind feels immeasurable. Look, 
Like so many areas in Burundi, there is no access to clean drinking water for this community. The closest safe source is too far away and very costly. So the village must rely solely on the Mpanda River, water they must share with livestock and also use for bathing and cleaning. Even medical help is largely ineffective because the only available water remains tainted. The danger is unrelenting, and Venerande is helpless to stop it. Venerande and so many other mothers like her are praying for a miracle. It's the only hope they have for the future of their children. And you can help make it possible. I can hardly bear to look at a child getting water that's so filthy. I, I don't even like to see animals get it. Um, and it just breaks my heart and then to think the mother lost the child and uh, so many mothers face the same thing. Betty, you know, I think our viewers would have brought the perfect cure to our daughter. I don't, I don't think there's a viewer anywhere in the world that if they could have gotten this would say, hey, this will, this will send Robin home from the hospital. You, Robin can go back to her children and she can have grandchildren someday. I, I think you would have done it. And, and here's the deal, everybody watching right now has access to the perfect cure. That's right. We can save the lives of these precious children. We can keep a mother from having to bury her little baby because of lack of water. Simple solution. But that mother was praying, God, send me somebody that can help me help my children. I don't want to see another one die. God, please help my children. Let's help that mother so that she can spare the life, help spare the life of her children. Let's drill the water wells. We can make that difference. We are their hope. So let's reach out and help them. And I mentioned my 75th birthday. I'm starting into that year and it's another year, but it's because I have life and I have the love of God in me and I have people who love God who've prayed for us. And I have people, so many people who say, James, give us a chance to help someone else. Let me tell you what we're doing right now. We're gonna start right now, raising the funds to drill water wells this year. And when you've got a perfect cure, like just a cup of water, you give just a cup of water in my name, you won't lose your reward. And can you imagine what God is thinking when he looks at you and says, I not only bless you, I wanna bless through you. As I bless through you, you're going to be able to be a blessing as long as you live because you're filled with life and love. And if you just give a cup of water. I said to Betty this week, honey, do you realize we've given wells of water? Not only encourage people to, but we personally commit to give a well every time the missionaries say, we need your help. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what let's do. I want to ask every one of you today to make a gift. The wells cost $4,800. I think that's going to increase. We've been told that right now they're stretching it to make that work. In other words, costs are going up, difficulty. But $4,800 still covers the cost of a well. 
That means, and, and, and it will give a thousand people water for the rest of their life. Think about that. That means $48 gives 10 people water. There's a level at which you can come in. Would you give life and an opportunity to 10 people? Would you do 30 with a gift of 144? Or could you make the gift of 4,800 and give a well? Here's what we're going to do to just say thank you. Just a big thank you. We want to send you beyond blessed. Because I tell you what, if you grasp what Robert teaches, and even what you've heard, the miracle of his life and the ministry God's given him, you're going to begin to experience those miracles by living a blessed life and understanding that the greatest blessed life is blessing lives. Would you help us bless lives? Be an answer to mother's heart cry and prayer that you just heard and stop the death cycle. We can put a well right there. Get them away from that dirty water. Would you go online or would you dial that number, take your bank card, use it like a check. If you make a check, want to write a check, make it to life, that's what you're giving. But we're asking you to stop right now and do it. Would you please do it? Thank you so much. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them with no other choice. What's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families. A bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish 400 water wells this year. Your gift of $48 will help provide water for 10 people. $72 will provide for 15. $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. And a gift of $4,800 will help sponsor a complete well. With your gift of any amount today, we'll send you Beyond Blessed, God's perfect plan for no financial stress. In his new book, Pastor Robert Morris teaches biblical principles to help you reach your financial goals and start experiencing the abundant life without financial stress. We had been in debt for 20 years. We started applying these principles that, that are in Beyond Blessed. We got out of debt in 15 months. We had to learn how to make room, how to let go, how to be content with what we already had mm -hmm. to be able to give. Our lives have been transformed through the principles of handling our money and stewarding it the way God has, has directed us to do. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, as directly as I can say it, thank you. On behalf of many mothers who are gonna see the great miracle of love in their village because of you. We wanna send you the book Beyond Blessed. It really talks about so much that's vitally important. It talks about stewardship and oversight. We're going to talk about this with Robert the rest of the week. Would you say a big thanks here in the audience to Robert Morris and Brother? Love you. Love you. Thank you. Thank all of you. Yeah.
Tomorrow, best-selling author of The Blessed Life, Robert Morris, now takes you beyond blessed to find God's perfect plan for no financial stress. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.